Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favorite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish dash tech dash news. Hi, welcome to today's Architect Podcast. Who have you got today's podcast? Colin McQuinn on from Greenhouse Software, Ronan. Lovely to be here. Thanks for being here, Colin. Now, first, before we start, tell us a bit about your background to know who you are. Sure, I um, work in the software industry for 25 years. Most of my skill set is building and scaling uh, tech sales teams predominantly. Uh, this role in Greenhouse that I do is a little bit different. Um, it's the first time that it's not just sales, so building service to service our customers. Um, building our go-to-market motion, but then working very closely with our product team as well to focus on product market fit for the European market. And what does Greenhouse Software do? Sure, Greenhouse Software, we're a recruiting software platform. The purpose of what we do is help companies be great at hiring. And we do that through um, enabling customers to follow a structured hiring process so that when you know you show up for an interview, you're being asked, fair questions, consistent questions versus other panelists and through that companies gather data and ultimately then are able to make informed hiring decisions rather than what you often find, you know, companies make good feeling decisions or I meet somebody for a cup of coffee and go, okay, I like them. Actually, they went to the same school at me and you bring a lot of bias into the hiring process. So ultimately what we're trying to do is take bias from the hiring process. And also what you get time when you send a CV, you go through a uh, an AI uh, uh, software that looks for certain keywords and in a sense those keywords might actually be what you're looking for in real, t- in real time. Well, 100% and that's it's what's interesting when you when you talk about that 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 is changing that technology is changing particularly with um, LLM technology yeah. so in the past uh, you know parsing CVs so taking the information out of CVs and putting that information into a database it the accuracy level is quite low. Which, yeah. But what's interesting now is we've now, uh, we're starting to use a new parsing technology. It's incredibly accurate. And why that's really interesting is you can, for example, if you want to take bias out of a hiring uh, process, you can look to, okay, we want to hide certain information, whether it's on the resume or on a take-home test, and it much more accurately um, does that. So even in, in, in the CV parsing technology, changing very rapidly at the moment, I think for the better. Yeah, because I've seen in the past somebody apply for a job and they're the right person for a job, but because there's certain keywords in the CV, they don't get past the first stage, and maybe that's wrong. A hundred percent, Ronan. I mean, we do surveys, yeah. we do uh, industry surveys and candidate surveys the whole time. And what's interesting, and it's consistent in the data, is the majority of candidates, and when we say the majority, I'm yeah. talking 70 to 73% of candidates, you know, depending on the survey or the quarter you, you, do, you do the run the data, they believe that companies are failing at hiring. And you know, across a number of parameters, it could be candidate experience, uh, it could be in terms of you know, how they feel from an inclusion perspective, and even I suppose to, to go down the level. So if you look at one data point, for example, like feedback, 70% of candidates want, want feedback after an interview. And what we found in the data is 70% of candidates have been blanked or ghosted by a company post-interview. So the candidate experience goes out the window and companies spend so much money on their brand, on getting their employee value proposition right, 
on posting job adver job advertisements on job boards and then they they burn it on candidate experience so for for me this is a topic you, you probably see from my body language yeah. for the listeners i'm getting excited when i talk about this type of stuff well, for me it's like when you, somebody says i'm applying for a job on google how many get past the first round because google is notorious for, for uh, what they're looking for 100 percent. and even in that you know if you go back to the the, the, the first question do you remember the famous Google questions, how many ping pong balls can you get on an airplane? Yeah. I'm not sure that that directly equates with the skill set that you need. And I do believe even companies like, like Google are changing their processes so that people get a, a, a fairer shot um, at, at hiring. And, and ultimately, that's what we're Because that question I'd be asking myself, okay, what, what airplane is it? Because it depends on the airplane size. Is it a jumbo jet <laughs> or is it just a single, single Cessna? I'm hoping that's what that's the conversation that they're, they're hoping to have with a potential candidate. But ultimately, you know, when you're when you're hiring for um, a new employee, the first thing is yeah. that you're very thoughtful about the job spec and the employee value proposition. So, so you know, what uh, what it is that you're looking for, what would a candidate get from this, and ultimately, then what attributes and what skills are required to be successful in the job and then be really thoughtful about how you articulate that to candidates because what we have seen in the data is when you clearly articulate the value proposition to candidates the response rate goes way up so that that's sort of the first thing the second thing then is is to follow a structured hiring process so that you know behind each attribute and skill you have a way of assessing them yeah. usually through competency-based questions and ultimately that then everybody in the hiring process you know provides an input generally you know on our platform it's a scoring system using a thumbs up thumbs down neutral or star sort of yeah. model but the idea is that you're capturing data at every candidate's interaction so that you can make the best possible decision and i guess when covid hit covid changed how things were done big time 100 percent. so what happened you know as yeah. we, we, we spoke about before more broadly is interviews historically were on-premise employment historically was was on-premise or on a site where you'd rock up and you'd meet somebody for a cup yeah. of coffee even that interaction that can bring bias into it because somebody could be great immediately the yeah. big personality you love them somebody else might be more introverted but guess what there's a skill set that they have that you need to to scratch a little bit more to understand so so what you know moving to uh, a virtual world and it, it, it's the most pervasive form of interviewing for most professional jobs right now um, is it allows you to have a consistent hiring process where everybody comes on they get the same intro at the start and then you know you can set up a structured hiring process where they they all get answered all get asked the same questions and ultimately then you know it takes bias out of the process the challenge though can be if you allow some people to come in on face-to-face -face interview and some people to come in on zoom that's the piece yeah. you've got to figure out okay what bias are you letting back into the process at that point and also remote working is going to be another thing that but five years ago i, I remember companies were telling me that will never happen and within two weeks of covid it was done 100 i mean the world has changed forever yeah it, again you know in in our surveys 67 percent of candidates are looking for flexibility and that's that's generally about where they work and, and when they can work. And depending on the size of the company, you know, they give various levels of flexibility. We made a decision as an organization to be distributed. Yeah. Um, what it has facilitated, and we've seen huge benefits, is it allows us to tap into different talent pools. So for example, in the US, 
we've been able to tap into cities where there are more underrepresented groups. Yeah. Um, here, you know, you have the opportunity to tap into caregivers or parents where they need more flexibility. And guess what? By giving that flexibility, you get a lot of loyalty. But what I will say, the caveat on that is we're still figuring all that out because it took us you know, 200 years to figure out the office culture and we've moved in two years to this new hybrid distributed reality and companies, they're, they're figuring it out and they're not always getting it right. Well, for me, office culture has changed over years with technology. As years ago, it would be you'd have a computer in, in, a, in a big mainframe in one room and so on and suddenly we all got these dumb terminals and laptops and desktops and suddenly we're able to use that technology at home. So the office isn't what isn't really need anymore. Such you know what I mean. One hundred percent, and and people's abilities to start companies, freelance, you know, to have side gigs, all that type of stuff. That's all changed very rapidly as well. You don't need a big server in a corner that costs a lot of money, or you don't need an office lease. And I think I think also the main thing is when the cloud became more uh, came into into being and it's got more and more usage out of it. It then brought costs of that of use of that down. So in other words, years ago, your paper instance not anymore, and it means that you can have all your all your data stored somewhere else. You don't have to worry about a, about a breach locally. Well, one hundred percent. And then I mean, the other benefit of the cloud is that you know we you know when I talked about greenhouse at the start, they said we're a platform, and the reason being is we've got you know four hundred plus integration partners which then allows you know now lots of SaaS companies follow that philosophy where they're really open from a technology perspective but then what that allows is customers to use best breed technologies augment the the capability that we have for example to do things like reference checking and so so forth just to you know continue to take that risk out of the hiring process yeah and getting back to uh, about uh, hiring you consider hiring as a science rather than an art so why companies failing at hiring and what can they do to succeed at it better? Yeah, let me start with, a, with an example. I worked with a brilliant high potential manager and they told me, I know within two minutes whether somebody's going to be good in the job or not. And I was their manager at the time. Yeah. Alarm bells, as a, as a seasoned hiring manager, I sort of knew that I could be in a conversation interviewing Ronan and the first 15 minutes... Yeah, you're going okay, you know, because yeah. you're processing and all of a sudden they come into their own and they get comfortable and you just go, okay, this candidate is brilliant. But what, what have you done? You followed a structured process. Yeah. And that's sort of foundational uh, in, in, in terms of, of, of that. But I suppose the other thing is, you know, and, and, and naturally and I worked with that person and they learned some skills and they built their, their, their recruiting skills. But ultimately what I see is a lot of companies look at the recruiter and go, okay, that's their job. Recruitment is a black box. It's done by somebody else. And you know, it's, it's not much to do with the business. But if you look at you know, some of the big tech companies you spoke about at the start, if, you know, what's the key to their success? It's the quality of talent in the organization and the qualities of hires that, 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 that they've made. So for me, you know, ultimately then it's, they've made a decision to go, okay, Hiring and bringing in great talents, that's something that we're going to be best at. Like that's, that's a strategic competitive advantage. And we also see that there's sets of behaviors in the leaders of companies who are great at hiring. So, yeah. so what does that look like? Well, the, the first thing is, you know, they, they, they understand and they recognize the value of great hire. I know CRO, he's just become CRO of a massive global SaaS company, one of the biggest SaaS companies in the world. When he worked in his home country, Every person 
at the end of their interview process was interviewed by him. So, so you can see the, the commitment to hire, but ultimately then that cascaded down to a culture of great hiring in the organization and everybody in the organization was involved in it. So it was, it was, it was a collaborative team sport. You know, so then if you break down, okay, what, what people do from, from there, well, we, we call people like that, we call them talent makers. Yeah. Like they, they bring in great talent um, and they set the tone and the culture for the organization. They rock up in three ways. You know, the three ways are as a talent leader, so building and leading a culture of, hire, of, of hiring, as a talent magnet, so going out there and attracting great talent, and then a talent partner, so partnering with your TA team. And then behind each of what I've described, each, each of those areas, there's, there's lots of practical examples of how they do that. Because I'm thinking of in the past when you go to for an interview, you'd have somebody interviewing you, and that person would be HR person, but not the person working in the area you're going to be you're going to be working in. So you, I've seen that in the past where you walk in and think, oh, hold on a second, how do you know what skills is needed for the job? One one hundred percent. So if, if I go back to the talent leader example, yeah. I mean the first thing they're going to do is is be able to work with the HR team and clearly articulate, you know, what's the value proposition of the role, but then also what are the skills and what are the attributes. Typically, then, they'll be over and back. So they might share, the TA team or the, the HR team might share sample profiles on LinkedIn. And you can go, okay, yeah, sort of like that. It's missing the skill set and so on. You know, they, they could have these soft skills. And you, 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 you do come to consensus then in terms of what you're looking for. Then what do you do next? Well, you brief the interview team. You go, okay, you know, who's going to be interviewing for the job? Can they clearly articulate to the candidate you know, why they should take this role, you know, what the role does and why they should work for our organization because in reality, it's a candidate's market out there. Yeah. Like in Ireland right now, unemployment's at an all-time low. Do you remember last year when the UK economy was almost crashed? Yeah. Their unemployment level was at the lowest since 1975. So, so it's still a candidate's market and it's important to be able to clearly articulate that value proposition. The next thing then is, is the talent magnet piece. So to go out there and sell the role. And different leaders do that in, in different ways. So, so we now live in a social world where you'll often see leaders posting pictures of team nights out or giving recognition of, you know, to a staff member of something that they've done well, you know, or just sharing jobs in their organization like other people's jobs. And that suits some people. Like, you know, it, it's a skill set some people naturally have. But then there's practical things that a talent magnet can do. So they can you know, come in at the offer stage of an interview and talk to the candidate who's naturally, yeah. you know, in the current environment, they're still going to be reluctant to change seat. So it's to answer their questions and understand their reservations and maybe share the strategy of what's going on. So I suppose we all know people who you think naturally attract great talent, but there's a set of behaviors yeah. that can be learned. And the same thing with partnering with the TA team. So, for example, you know, when I set up Greenhouse and EMEA, we recognized that there was a unique opportunity for the first 20 people coming in, you know, because it was new, it was exciting. And again, I worked with the talent, uh, our, 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 our TA team, to make sure everybody else could articulate that to candidates. We were joined at the hip in terms of providing candidates really quick feedback. But that meant that we had to hold people accountable to get that feedback into us quickly like within 24 48 hours so that we could out recruit 
big tech competitors. They go, okay, we're talking to the folks in Greenhouse. They're more professional yeah. than everyone we've dealt with. They're more organized. They give us quicker feedback. You know, I'm, I'm bought. And you keep that excitement going as well during a hiring process. So for me, I suppose when I say there's a science to the art, it's, it's a bit like the flywheel effect. There yeah. isn't any silver bullet. It's lots of small things done well. Yeah, I guess something you learn over time. And as you said, a talent manager, if I go to an interview and it's a talent manager and he's in the room with two other people and then a panel, I know, in fact, this is, this is what I want because I know that the talent manager is a HR manager and then it's somebody who works in that exact area that you, you're looking to work in. And that's what you want. You don't want to have a scenario where you're just a talent manager on his own with nobody else. 100%. And then, you know, if you think about the world as it's changed now as well, there's a much greater focus on bringing people in from diverse backgrounds, you know, uh, being more inclusive as well. And again, that's the partnership with the TA team where you can look at the data and go, the hiring managers are telling me, you know, I can't hire enough female engineers. But when I look at the data in the system, what I see is at the top of the funnel, so at the application process, there's way more female engineers applying than are given the jobs. So then you leverage the data, and the data is typically in, in, in your ATS, of what's happening at each stage in the process. So the interview, interview kit or the take-home test is written by all male engineers or graded by all male engineers. When you show up to an interview panel, there are no females on the panel, and on and on and on right through the process. But ultimately, it means that you, know, and it, you, you can say for every underrepresented group on, across every role, there is more bias in the process when you look at the data than you could possibly imagine. Yeah, first thing is, I think if someone goes interviewing a woman and they're married, someone's going to be thinking right away, if she's married, kids. Will kids, will kids come along in the near future or long future? How does that, that going to affect how she works? And that to me shouldn't be an issue at all. Shouldn't, it's, I mean, it's complete bias. And again, that's why it's important to have a structured process so that every question and every conversation is fair and equitable and legal yeah. as well. And also you might say, oh, that person who I think, well, if they're a certain religion, they're going to pray seven times a day or do certain things, how do you accommodate that as well? And, and, and the problem is, do you have to make sure that there's no bias in that as well? A hundred percent. And I mean, most companies now are certainly larger companies are setting up employer resource groups, yeah. both to create um, support groups for people from underrepresented backgrounds, but also to help with educating the rest of the organization in terms of you know how people's experiences in an organization. Again, if I arrive to an interview and my name isn't uh, Ronan, for example, which yeah. even for, for non-Irish people might be a difficult uh, name, but there are much more complex names to pronounce. And again, if, if, if I go into an interview and somebody mispronounces my name, I don't really feel included or I don't really feel I belong. So again, leveraging you know, tools like our tools and the same software is available on LinkedIn as well, or similar software, same functionality, where you can do name pronunciation and learn somebody's name. So you can provide that respect from the very first interaction. And again, you know, when I talk about candidate experience, it's every reaction has to be highly respectful, highly professional, um, and by doing all that, you can outperform your, your talents. Because right now, with the way in social media, word gets around. And if anything goes wrong in an interview and they pronounce your name wrong, or you, you feel not been respected well enough, it will pass on. For something like Glassdoor, for example. Every, I mean, ultimately, every candidate 
he's going for a role in any organization, the first place they'll go is on Glassdoor to understand, okay, how do companies rate it? Yeah. That's number one. And then what type of questions they can be asked as well in an interview. And for me, I've no issue with if, if an organization or a company is following a structured process that the candidates have a good idea of what they'll be asked because I'd rather somebody give the best representation of themselves in that interview as opposed to having one person who's very good at thinking on the fly but they may not have the skills where yeah. somebody else is if they're you know if they get a left field question and they go home and on the way home they're thinking gosh I can do that I just couldn't articulate it in that moment so for me both prepping for interviews is really yeah. important but being guided by the recruitment team like expectations set here are the areas that are going to be covered when you don't do well in, 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 in a certain area that the recruitment team pick up the phone and say hey you did super in communication you know you did super on your analytical thinking we're a little bit worried about your influencing skills going to go a little bit deeper about that next time and it allows the candidate to go off and prepare and give the best representation of themselves because yeah, the worst thing you go in an interview and, and it say in an interview you have to do three rounds before you get a job and as you said uh, uh, when they told you, you the stuff you, you just gave they'll go back and they'll go on and uh, research up on what they did wrong so in the interview too they'll be much better informed for that 100% and again you know why would you involve other people in the organisation in the interview process well they may have greater technical skills in a certain area so that they can go yeah. deeper in, in certain assessments but also a different perspective so that at the end of the interview process again we talk about Ronan and we go okay here's the positives and somebody has okay I'm, I'm worried about this area we can have a conversation about it and we can see what everybody else in the interview panel picked up and ultimately make a more informed hiring decision yeah because to me the most important thing is that person's going to feel wanted in the company and, and feel loved as well. And if the employer feels that this person isn't the right fit, better tell them now, we think you're great at what you do, but it's going to be fitting like a square peg in a round hole. 100%. And again, you know, that's why culture ad interviews are important as well, to figure out, okay, how this person operates in cultures, because cultures are strong and it's yeah. hard to change a culture as well. So for me, I think you know you, you need to have a quite holistic um, in interview process where you 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 you, you know you, you assess for lots of different attributes. Yeah, and I think at times in interviews in the past, you've probably also got a checklist that you're checking off, and uh, if you get eight out of ten, then yep, that's it. Next eight. If you don't get eight out of ten, then okay, we've got to think carefully: is this worth going forward or not? What one hundred percent, and I think that's why in certainly how we use our tool we don't use numbers yeah we use a thumbs up thumbs down yeah you know a maybe and, and stars and the reason being is that my I've, I've kids you know i've two of my kids one of them is that everything's a 10 you ask him how good was that marks it a 10 and 10 i've one kid eight is his 10 yeah you know that that's the that's the wiring and it's the same when you're interviewing people so therefore again it's how do you how do you try and solve for that and, and reduce that bias? I think thumbs up, thumbs down, and, and uh, emoticons are better because it gives you more uh, accurate representation. One hundred percent. Yeah. Because yeah. accuracy is very important. Because if someone says, "Oh yeah, eight out of ten, eight person's got different views of what eight out of ten is," like your eight could be my ten, and so forth. One hundred percent. And again, you know, it, it comes through. It comes back in the the, the candidate experience. Like, oh, you're you know, you can be really transparent, and you got. You were a strong yes 
on this interview and you're a yes on this interview and they get that whereas if you're going back and saying you were a six you're going okay how how was this assessed you know because at the end of the day it's it's not an exam as well like there is you probe and you probe and it's like peeling an onion an onion to to understand that okay I've, i've covered all the bases here and i can make an informed decision yeah, and the worst thing is when someone says you're a six and somebody else who's, who's interviewing in you says no they're an eight you ha- how do you get how do you get a sense of what is the right that's exactly yeah. it. I mean, that's 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 the problem because i've seen that in the past interviews people come along and then when you got two people interviewing you and one person's definitely you're the person the person is not because they're, they're not thinking on the same page 100 percent and tell me more about your personal values and how they mirror Greenhouse's mission. Yeah, it, so values are becoming really important in the companies that everybody, you know, looks to work for, including myself. I do yeah. think that we're, we're, we've all become much more purpose-oriented. And again, when we do candidate service, that comes through strongly in the data. I suppose my own background, maybe just take a step back uh, from the west of Ireland, both my parents were teachers and growing up in Ireland in the 80s, uh, there wasn't special needs teachers. Like, you know, even conditions like dyslexia yeah. didn't have a name at the time. But every evening after school, my parents had various kids coming in, like for literally for three or four hours after school every day. And then we had a tea. And why, why did they do that? It was because, okay, fairness. And they see the talent in somebody and they see maybe the what they've got to overcome or a you know, background or, or whatever challenges that were there, and they invested that time to make sure that they they had the best opportunity in life. So that's for me, that's really important because again, if you go back to greenhouse, and I give another example in a minute yeah. uh, that I think is relevant. But if you go back to greenhouse, you know, when you when you create fair uh, hiring processes, what does it mean? It means that everybody gets a fair shot, and to me, that's really important, regardless of you know your color, your creed, your orientation, and so on. That's to me. That's that's just foundational, and that comes through in the data as well. We are invested. Uh, one of our investors is the Rise Fund, which is a social impact fund. Yeah. And you know, what? Why would a company like the Rise Fund invest in greenhouse? Well, it's because they can see the impact. If you get a new job and you're from an underrepresented group, and you have a better chance by the company that's hiring you using greenhouse, they're using greenhouse software. Ultimately, means that. You know the income of your family is likely to go up it has a big knock-on effect from a societal perspective but ultimately it comes back to people getting a fair chance again you know i i coach ga and one of the things the ga in ireland does very well is the whole focus on inclusion yeah. so any parent that rings you up saying my johnny's looking to play you're not questioning their ability or anything else you say rock up they're welcome and the same thing is when you're you know certainly up to a certain age because it, it does get very competitive eventually but for as long as you can you try and give people fair game time and a fair shot because people develop in different ways or you know you know so that's really important and again in our product um, there's a big focus on diversity equity and inclusion so so what does that mean well I spoke about the, the name pronunciation also when somebody's interviewing they've got nudges in the product where they tell people to watch out for certain biases and then the example that I shared in terms of the data as well, being able to go through, okay, what's happening here so that each person who's interviewing is getting a fairer chance. For me, that's really important. So those values of you know fairness, 
and giving people a shot and inclusion and ultimately that ties into the values of, of yeah goodness. i'm thinking of somebody who english is in the first language 100 percent. or somebody who who if certain countries when they pronounce it's hard to understand at times because of, of how they were brought up so in other words how do you compensate for that and make sure that person gets an equal chance? Because they could be a, a great worker. Yeah, and you, you have to brief people as well. So, you know, when, when again, when we were setting up Greenhouse here, a lot of the interviews are were done at the start by my US colleagues. Yeah. And, you know, we've, you know, they, they're, you know, certainly New York is a far more diverse city than Dublin. Yeah. We've probably more diverse language skills happening in Ireland because we're in Europe. And I did have to brief you know, and it comes back to that tunnel partnering, working with the TA team. I had to brief my US team to, to watch out for that and, and go, yeah, like you're interviewing a, a German, for example, and I know I'm stereotyping a little bit here, but they're not going to tell you everything is awesome. They're going to be a little bit more, you know, reserved. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's important that you recognize that in the hiring process as well. And for example, if you're, if you're a large person, they're up with a crack. Was a German person might be the more reserved and more not laid back. One hundred percent. So you're 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 you know you're interviewing based on attributes as opposed to your your gut feel. Yeah. Because we 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 all we, you know your gut is really important, but but ultimately when you're when you're making hiring decisions, it has to be backed up by by data. Yeah, and I guess basically data is, is basically what makes this company. A hundred percent. So so I mean when you think about the power of data in recruiting. You know, data guides you to where you're going to find the candidates. Like, yeah. where, where's the best places to find the candidates? Where's the best place to post these jobs? You know, to, so that you you get the best response rate. The data can guide you is you know in terms of what channels to rech out to the candidate, what sourcing tools to use, so you get the best um, response rate. Um, you know, it 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 goes on to every aspect of the hiring process. Data data guides you. Yeah, because I'm thinking over the years, like, data for a greenhouse 10 years ago is not what it is now. It's changed so much. 100%. Um, particularly, you know, as you start to move into the whole world of AI as well. And it's, for, for me, the big challenge in our industry is how you leverage all the positives of AI and mitigate for, for, for some of the risks. And, and we see that, so AI is coming into hiring. We, again, we, we had a recent AI survey, 80% of HR professionals, they're, they're leveraging AI, but only 50% or less than 50% of them are monitoring yeah. for bias in any shape or form. So to me, that, that's concerning. And also I'm thinking of some of the glass, how do you know, for example, that a review up there isn't fake as well? What, 100%, but I, I think, there, you know, yeah, I, I think that comes down to the company's values. I yeah. don't see, for example, in our culture, a greenhouse employee putting a glowing review because their manager has told them yeah. to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about in general, like if you're applying for a job and you look in the glass door and see basically if it's something we're, we're applying for. If I see some examples using greenhouse software, I know it's more there's a better chance of it being more ethical uh, and more transparent. U- ultimately, yeah. you know, that's part of our big vision is almost a bit like the Intel inside yeah. in the tech world. We know there's a certain quality associated with that. You know, for, for us, you know, a big vision would be that, you know, people regard if they apply for companies that use Greenhouse, um, they're much more positive um, about it they know there's a fair chance and it does come true like I know people who've been on the job market and go 
there is a huge difference between the experience when you know they're leveraging our software maybe versus another company's software. So is that your new slogan, Green Essence Side? Is that going to be a new slogan? <laughs> we 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 can patent it today. Because yeah, that, that sounds like that sounds great. Because I'm thinking, Colin, that sounds basically when some, when it, when you see that like a heat intel inside, you know basically I can trust. It's all about yes. trust. One one hundred percent, and 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 certainly, it's unusual for us that lots you know hiring managers generally don't like the recruitment software that they use. But generally, our product is, is quite easy to use. So you know we get high levels of engagement there. Now the benefit of that from a candidate perspective is that you know, feedback comes in. Yeah. Somebody picks up the phone and says, hey Ronan, you know, here, here's, here's what's come true and it's come true really quickly. That differentiates uh, the company and that cascades it at every step right through the, again, at offer stage, a manager coming on the phone and even post offer stage and onboarding. Yeah. Through that 30 day period, post offer that somebody's sharing you here's 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 like the history of our company here's forms that we need for you so that you come in and you'll be paid properly from day one so there's, there's, it's not just the candidate experience through the hire yeah. it's what happens right through to the day that they walk in the door now before we finish off one more thing we're going to go straight off topic and ask you about the current trend you're seeing in EMEA yeah I mean there's, there's, a, there's a couple of things the first thing I touched on were this the economy is is funny right now you've got huge challenges with inflation but yet a lot of talent has left the workforce so what's ultimately driving that you know that low unemployment number a lot of talent has has left the workforce whether to retire early and so on that's created a, a skill shortage so that's sort of the first trend the second trend i would see is when you look at the data particularly in the tech world we've had a tough period of time yeah. certainly what we're starting to see is in in europe is the average number of open jobs per customer increasing so to me that's positive that's signs of green shoots so yeah. that that's really interesting ai is is a really interesting trend i think every one of us i mean i use ChatGPT every day in various aspects of my job it helps me make helps me make helps make me more efficient yeah similarly you know as, as i mentioned earlier a lot of customers are using AI in their recruitment as well. And for me, the big challenge is, you know, there's huge advantages of that. So we spoke about the resume, par- resume parsing example. Like yeah. that's, that's huge. AI is great at categorizing. So an account manager job or a certain type of engineer, it might have a different job title in different companies, but you can leverage the be- the power of AI to go, okay, that's pretty much the same job. And then if I'm an organization, I can go, okay, how's my time to hire versus my peers? And yeah. that data can be presented. So you go, okay, you're leveraging a- a- AI for that. Then you know you need to figure out what to do with that. And you can get tips and pointers in terms of how to improve uh, your performance as well and reduce your time to hire. I spoke about the, all the data we capture in an interview process and what AI is super at is summarizing data and synthesizing data. So at the end of an interview process, it's conceivable that you, know, you could get a summary of here's what we've learned from Ronan and quite a quite accurate summary. That means that four or five hiring managers then can have a conversation and a debate around the table. So there's loads, and I can keep going, there's yeah. loads of practical examples. For me, the challenge is around judgment and you know, when AI starts to make the decisions, and that's something I think companies have to be really careful about. So 
here are three CVs, tell me which one to pick. That's a decision with potentially a huge amount of bias. And for me, that's gonna be the challenge for organizations over the next number of years is to work through that. And it's, it's not just an hiring, it's gonna be in every aspect of how they do business. So, yeah. so to me, there's, there's a balance um, between how we leverage AI for the positive and then mitigate the risks. All right, thanks for that column and uh, have a great day. Thank you very much, Ron. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.